0: I'm Elena Landsberg lewis your host of Grandmothers on the Move, the podcast that kicks old stereotypes to the curb. Come meet these creative, outrageous, authentic, adventurous, irreverent and powerful disruptors and influencers. Grandmothers, from the living room to the courtroom, making powerful contributions in every walk of life. We know them most intimately as loving caregivers, the older women in our lives with a thousand stories about their grandchildren and pictures in their purses. In this podcast, you'll come to know even more about our grandmothers. They are galvanized, determined, and are guaranteed to get you thinking. What drives them? What are they up to? What is the potential of grandmother power, and how is it changing the world? Grandmothers are on the move. You don't want to be left behind. Hi, it's Ilana. Welcome back to Grandmother's On the Move. Today I'm speaking to Ruth Ojumbo Ocheng, an internationally renowned women's human rights activist. Ruth used to be the executive director of a women's human rights documentation organization in Uganda, ISIS Wiki, the Women's Cross-Cultural Exchange. These days, I have the great pleasure to work with Ruth on the grassroots community-based response to the HIV and AIDS pandemic in sub-Saharan Africa. So Ruth, my relationship with you goes way, way back to a much younger and different time in my life. And Mm -hmm. I first knew you as a women's human rights activist Mm -hmm. and as someone who was right on the front lines of the struggle for women's rights, both mm-hmm. in your own country, Uganda, mm-hmm. but also internationally on the world stage. Mm-hmm. Also doing really interesting work around documentation of human rights violations mm-hmm. and running, running ISIS Wiki yes. in Uganda. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we should start there. Can you tell me about what you've done around women's human rights and how you experience that at this point in your life? Okay, uh, yes, yes. Ruth
1: Ojambo-Cheng is a girl who grew up in Uganda, a country that since she was born and became old enough to understand, She had not seen anything called peace. Mm. I remember in 1966, when I was still young, there was a crisis at the City Kampala. Mm. This was between the government and the traditional kings of Uganda, who were the majority, the, the highest population in Uganda. And when I finished my O level and A level, I entered the university. I could not remember any single day when I saw peace at the university. During Idi Amin it was either, it was time for us to to run away from the military or be locked up in the military or hear I remember very well, two girls who came from Kenya, who came to study in Uganda, who just disappeared until today. I don't think anybody knows where they are. So all this, and then we went into 1971, Idi Amin over. it just became something else. And after 71, there were always struggles in Uganda until 1979, when Tanzania helped Uganda, the rebels then, right. to oust Idi Amin. At that time is when I had just married, and I had just got my first child, Emmanuel. And Emmanuel was a name given to my, to my mother because of what I went through, trying to run away from Kampala with a one-month baby, whom I had got, cesarean, and the bullets were ranging all over, and I survived. I'll not go into those details. I survived with the baby, and my mother gave the name to to my son, Emmanuel God is with us, because they are such biblical, they were such biblical parents. So that is me who grew up knowing nothing at all. And to my surprise, After going to work with the attorney general as the information and communication officer, the librarian at the attorney general's office, then out of the blue, I get a scholarship to go and study in in London uh, City University. Then my professor says, Ruth, you have done so much of information. You need to do the communication component because it is going to help you, you are so knowledgeable about information, but how do you communicate? So you need to get skills of communication. Then I kind of come back with this knowledge, which was not fitting within the context of the attorney general's library. I, and then it, I just started becoming so nervous. Why did I take all these years to go to school? No, no, no. I need to get something which is really going to help me focus on what I want to do. Then I see Swiki comes. And when they input out the application, I told my husband, that's my job. He laughed mm-hmm. and said, why do you? I said, it's my job. The way it is, is what I studied <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, after six months, after that interview, six months, nobody came back to, uh, to me. And I just knew anyway, as usual, The whole system is so corrupt. Mm. Forget about it. Just continue (laughs) with your life. One day you'll get what you want. Mm. Within no time, I get a call from my then director and says, are you Ruth? I said, yes. Did you do an interview with ISIS week? I said, no, yes. Many months. Oh, I'm glad to tell you that you are the one whom we picked. Then I was like, oh, after such a long time, says, yes, we needed to know what kind of person are we dealing with. And enter ISIS Wiki. And as as luck gives it, I think my journey to deal with the rights of women had been paved a long time ago. I come to ISIS Wiki and I initiated the documentation of women's voices. And I think it is at that time that I understood what women's rights were. Because I started engaging with the most vulnerable woman, whom the policies at the UN, whom the policies at at the African Union, even at the national level, Mm -hmm. never meets. And these are structures that all along have always thought they were victims. And there is nothing that they can contribute to the reconstruction of the processes or of the violations. The voice of an African woman made me understand the resilience of women at the community level. And sincerely speaking, Ilana, I think I disconnected myself. Much as you are seeing me at those international levels, every time I would go there, I would be going to challenge those policies to say what you are doing is not going to transform Africa because you are not integrating the voice of an African woman into the whole process of reconstruction and development. And I must say, the outcries I made for 10 years with very little input or change in policies mm-hmm. made me become, what is the English word? I became a rebel. right? And I decided, why am I sticking on things that I can't dismantle? Can't I just start my own journey of dealing with the issues with these women helping me. And I think that is where my happiest moments were because there was so much that was out there with the solutions that these women had that enabled me to restructure programs at ISIS Wiki by making sure that the survivor of conflict, the woman leader in conflict setting, was at the center of every step that we took. Of all the things we have talked as ISIS Wiki, what is the priority that will make you reclaim your dignity and become a leader who is going to dismantle the patriarchy that is not dealing with your issues? For me, Ilana, that's when I saw the power of women, the inner beauty, of a woman, I don't think there is anything that will ever break. If the gun did not kill her and she survived, there is nothing else which will ever break this woman. If those who d- use the military and use militarization to crack down the temple of peace in, in any community, the one who contains the identity. Of every child, man, and the children around them, it can never be broken. After struggling so much, women never give up. That After struggling so to be on that so that renowned international peace table, they said, wait a minute. What is so so special about that table? We can have our peace tables in our communities and start reconciling, start negotiating with our men how we are going to use resource-like land, which in Africa it has never been for a woman. So for them, they let go that so-called structured uh, uh, table and came up with the tables that make sense to their priorities. The The tables of how do I make my children have something to eat? How do I negotiate with my fellow women? Weak as we are. We don't have the modern tools, but we can form ourselves into groups. And till they land so that we can have a big chunk of land, which I can feed my child, and we do that to to other women's groups. And they opened land. They had food. Some of it was excess and the mind was that, okay, what is our other problem? We don't have shelter. They went into all those merry-go-rounds. They, it is the women who started merry-go-rounds before the international or the whole World Bank started right. talking about they it. They
0: discovered it. They discovered it.
1: No. <laughs> These women started merry-go-rounds of one shilling and they made a difference in their lives. They became a bit economically stable. My own work was to continue opening doors for them, that it was important for me to continue talking on their behalf. That also helped women now to go back into their communities and start writing, start documenting, start providing their own approach to documentation and telling policymakers, We can't continue like this. And we have seen many women uh, in different parts of the world, especially where conflict has been, leaders emerging. And if you look at countries that have been affected by conflict, that's where you get the largest number of women in decision-making, especially in parliament.
0: Now you're a grandmother. Yes, I'm a grandmother. How have you felt that transition? Have you felt the transition? When I look at myself now, sometimes...
1: I look in the mirror that's when I realize oh I've changed my face but my body I'm telling you my body is intact right it is intact <laughs> if it is yes. running I will run if it is analyzing things and I'm even freer because I use that that heart of saying a senior citizen. Every time nowadays I say, me as a senior citizen. And I can say anything I want to say because I'm a senior <laughs> citizen. <laughs> so even where you used to fear to challenge the status quo, because you are leading an institution which you must also protect from any attack, I don't have to do that. Now I talk everything from my heart. Mm-hmm. And for me, that is the most exciting thing. Fantastic. Yes, that it sounds so liberating. Yes, it is, yeah. because nobody is gagging you. I could not say, for, for example, the whole governance system in Uganda is real. It requires overhaul. I can't say I wouldn't say that when I was at ISIS Wiki, because what if they come and say we are closing you? Sure. We are closing shop. But nobody is going to close my citizenship. And, uh, I will remain a Ugandan. <laughs> so you get liberated. You are able to talk your mind. You are able to give a hand where you think you can. You are able to see more challenges. I get exposed to them. a community of grandmothers like me. And you look at how grandmothers in those communities... They have become the hub of protection. Wherever I've gone, the police is not protecting the children. The governance system is dealing with the, the bigger picture. It does not seem to be trickling down to deal with the issues that affect humanity. And who is doing it? It is the grandmothers like me. This has exposed me to see the power of grandmothers an institution, if I may call it, Mm -hmm. that everybody has ignored. And I sit and reflect when I meet them and I say, how much this institution would do? I I bet you would have more grandchildren of people who died because of HIV and AIDS having actually left this world. When I connect with them, when I listen to what they have done, then, as they always say, age is just number. Because I think you still have the ability, the energy, the zeal, the passion as you had when you were 18. I have not seen my passion for women's rights change. No, it not even once. No
0: one day. who meets you could think that for one it, moment. You see, so at the age,
1: it, of so it, it you. doesn't. Yeah. It is us who look in our mirrors and then when they say happy birthday and you say, oh, I'm 60 years old, and like, oh, 60. Then I'm like, why is she wondering? We're already 60, so what? Right. Because actually inside me, I, I feel 20.
0: Yeah, I feel 20. Absolutely, and that, the passion is, is ageless. It doesn't have it, a date on it.
1: And just look at institutions. They have started wondering whether people uh, – stopping i mean people retiring as at 60 has is strategic enough because they have now noticed that they are leaving such a resource out there and when you come to women oh my goodness it is different because huge resource you know ilana Now that I have grandchildren, given my time of leadership while my children were growing up, it is very easy now for me to put a lot of emphasis on the grandchildren because my daughter and my son are going through the same thing I went through as a leader, as a person who was working. In order for me to make my son and my daughter be able to have a breathing space to think, reflect, and plan, it is very important for me to make time for them to have these children. For example, for me, Friday evening, you you don't come to my home because you will either run out of the house because (laughs) the grandchildren will be at home. And the whole idea is also to give them the freedom. Mm-hmm. Freedom, but very qualitative freedom, where I am also watching them as they grow. As a grandmother to their grandchildren, it is just special, one, to show love so that they can love, two, to give them an extra education that is not in classrooms because teachers are overwhelmed, the extra curriculum of how to, to live in society, how to engage in society. And that, those are the, the strengths of people, you know, staying with each other. Grandmother's instinct is never a ploy. What she's thinking is what actually is going on.
0: And so if you come full circle, does the work that you do now, the passion and the concern that you still have around women's rights, does it make a difference doing it as a grandmother with grandchildren? Does it change the lens or is that just something separate? What has always been
1: for me is that whatever I see in the field, I see my grandchildren, those children I see as orphans of HIV and AIDS. I don't separate it and say, oh, mine cannot. So what I'm seeing in the field prepares me emotionally and socially to be able to know what I am going to talk to my grandchildren and their parents There is no single day I come out of visits to the most disadvantaged communities. Sunday is when we have lunch. My children come. The grandchildren would have already come. And that is the time to share with them what I have seen. It's not a matter of just sharing. But after sharing, we reflect over it. When you listen to that, what does it give you as the parents of these children? So that it becomes a conversation. It moves away from the work I'm doing as a human rights defender and bring it in the center of my own living room for us to speak about what I have seen. And in most cases, I find my children, four of them are now my children, uh, asking critical questions That actually helped me also to sharpen my next visit. Let's face it, they will go, grandmothers will go. There is a time for generations to move. But the key issue is, as grandmothers, how are we getting with our emotions to fight fear and prepare the children, the grandchildren that we have been with for all this time? Fear, fear how do we engage with fear? How do we fight hard and and make the systems get accountable, making sure that they see the grandmother institution as paramount to the discussions with the local systems? Not this whole idea of the the World Bank coming up with the the social contribution, giving a, a, a grandmother 20,000 Uganda shillings, which is about, it is like $5 mm-hmm. per month. Mm-hmm. And we say we are doing social protection. No, we as development workers, we now need to start engaging uh, lo- local governments to map out all these grandmothers to understand what they are doing, to understand whom are they protecting and what is the contribution of the local system. Because there is no way that anybody will ever have enough resources for all grandmothers. Mm -hmm. But we know grandmothers are doing a lot of work. So when will governments reclaim their responsibility? And it is a conversation that we really need to sit at table as grandmothers who are still busy, uh, still contributing back to development, to engage, to engage with them and say, no, if we have to save the generations that grandmothers have pushed this far, what is the local
0: government plan of action? Thank you so much, Ruth. I've always admired how you're early years of adversity and overcoming that adversity has led to a lifetime of passion and activism for women amplifying their voices and their power. Thank you so much for sharing it with us today. Thanks for listening. I'm Ilana Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move. If you want to find out more about me or the podcast, go to grandmothersonthemove.com and come back next week for another episode.